0: Live from New York, it's Saturday night. Well, not exactly. Those of you who are watching on our YouTube channel can see that it is clearly not Saturday night. But that really is the Empire State Building behind me. We're coming to you from New York City on a Saturday afternoon for this episode of Datages on the Road. It's our fourth and final on the Responsible Accountable Mindset. Enjoy. You know, when I was your age, go ask your mother... I know you don't like it. It builds character. How many times do I have to tell you? I'm not just talking to hear my own voice. Hello, listener, and welcome to Datages. I'm your host, Chad Hagel, and if you're looking for some fatherly wisdom for your career, your family, or any other aspect of your life, then you've come to the right place. If you want to learn more about Datages, find additional content, submit questions or feedback to me, or if you want to know if that mental picture you have of me after hearing my voice matches my real face, visit Datages.com. Thanks for being here. And before you listen to our podcast, please listen to your father. Friends and family, welcome to Datages being recorded in New York City on Labor Day weekend 2023. It's a beautiful weekend here in New York, and I'm happy to share it with all of you. I'm also happy to share this fourth and final episode to conclude our mini-series focused on the datage. Responsibility is a Luxury, Accountability is the Price You Pay for It. We've spent quite a bit of time on this topic. As I shared in the first episode of the series, it's an important topic to me, and one I could talk about for hours. And I guess now I have. Let's recap. In our first episode of the series, we defined the difference between responsibility and accountability. And we talked about what it means to have a responsible, accountable mindset. Then, in the second episode, we talked about how to build teams and organizations that embrace this powerful mindset. In the third episode, we talked about two major forces the rise of Gen Z and the COVID 19 pandemic and the impact they had on our attempts to cultivate accountability in our lives and in our work. If you missed any of those episodes, I encourage you to go back and check them out before you listen to today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about responsibility and accountability at home and building a family structure that embraces this mindset. Let's first revisit our Dadages Dictionary for the definitions of these two terms, Responsibility and Accountability. Responsibility, as we said, is the opportunity or ability to act independently and make decisions without authorization. Accountability is a state in which someone might experience retribution for unfulfilled trust or violated obligation. Bottom line, responsibility is the authority to act on your own, and accountability is the potential to experience consequences for not fulfilling your responsibilities. When you take a look at these dictionary definitions, they can be a bit obscure and intangible. They don't make for very good lesson material for children to help them to understand these concepts, why they're important, or how to apply them to their their lives. It's not exactly Dr. Seuss material. So let's for a moment turn to the good doctor for some help. My single favorite Dr. Seuss book is all about responsibility and accountability. Horton Hatches the Egg. The turquoise and white cover of that book is etched into my mind. I've read the book cover to cover hundreds of times, first lying beside my mom in my bed with her reading aloud and then on my own later. And the book also sat on my bookshelf with Horton looking back at me with his kind eyes and his steadfast smile every day until the day I left home for college. In the story, Horton the elephant sits faithfully on a bird's nest in a tree for 51 weeks, through countless challenges and harrowing events after he promises the mother bird that he will babysit the egg. Horton's words stand the test of time. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant, an elephant's faithful 100%. Horton is the epitome of accountability, and his story is a great way to convey the importance of the responsible, accountable mindset to children, even at a very young age. Isn't it amazing that seemingly no matter what the subject and no matter how long it has been since he published his amazing books, we can always count on Dr. Seuss? He has taken upon himself the responsibility for entire generations of children. He's not a Navy SEAL, but he's a hero in my book. We'll come back to our friend Horton in a bit. Right now, I want to focus on how to make your home accountability HQ. As we've discussed, out in the world, the only person for which you can take 100% responsibility is yourself. Similarly, the only environment where you can be truly responsible is your own household. I like what one of my favorite authors, Ryan Holiday, has to say in The Daily Dad. He explains the place to apply your opinions about the way the world should work is, first and foremost, in the small world, where you actually have some control. That is to say, at home. If you want to see a difference in the world then model that change and make a difference at home. Start there. Great advice, Ryan. So let's talk about the most important aspects of the responsible, accountable mindset. And I'll share some ways that you can establish them in in your household and instill them in your children. First, honesty is not only the best policy, it is the ultimate form of accountability. We could fill episode upon episode with a deep-dive examination of honesty and the truth. I'm only going to give you a small taste here. Thomas Jefferson wrote, Honesty is the first chapter in the Book of Wisdom. And this was not only an American ideal during his time. One of his contemporaries, German poet and playwright, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, wrote, Wisdom is found only in truth. And way, way, way before either of them, Heraclitus wrote, around 500 BC, wisdom is to speak the truth and act in keeping with its nature. Clearly, the importance of honesty in life spans the globe and spans the duration of human history. When it comes to teaching kids about the importance of the truth, I'm going to make a really off-the-wall suggestion here. Invite them to watch TV with you. Chad, what the heck are you talking about? Hang with me on this one. When I was growing up, People thought that TV was going to rot our brains and that it was a destructive influence upon the family. But I remember watching TV as a kid. And what do I remember about it? I remember our entire family sitting on the couch together and watching the same thing. Fast forward to 2023, when families tend to be buried in their iPads and their phones, no one ever seems to be watching the same thing at all. I have to drag my family to the movie theater in most cases to have a shared entertainment experience these days. At home, every member of the family is isolated and having their own experience without any chance to engage with one another during or after the programming to talk about what you've watched and any important lessons or topics that might come out of it. This is why I urge you to bring the family together, 1980s style, to watch TV. And what you watch is important too. I don't recommend you watch the news unless you plan to be critical of the content and to instruct your children through consumption of what they see and hear. There's certainly little or no truth to be found there in the news. I actually find the best way to consume news with children is through comedy, which encourages healthy questioning of the way news and information are being presented to us. I always watched Weekend Updates, on Saturday Night Live, filmed right here in New York, with my children when they were growing up. And today, it's Last Week Tonight with John Oliver for our family. One thing I recommend you watch with your children are legal dramas. Odd suggestion, I know. But early in my youth, it was Matlock. How can you not get a real appreciation for truth and honesty when it's Andy Griffith teaching you the lessons about being held accountable for what you do and say? For most of my youth, though, It was Law and Order. How can you forget the sound of justice? I really hope the Datages team is able to replace that with the real Law and Order sound in post production. That would add a lot of value to this podcast. Did you know that there are now seven different Law and Order series in the franchise and well over a thousand episodes? That's a lot of justice being doled out by creator David Kelly. So, why am I recommending this type of programming? Pretty simple, really. Legal dramas are all about the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I find these lessons so important because our world is overrun with half-truths, near-truths, and omissions. Saying something that is only partly true is a lie, and avoiding the truth is also a different kind of lie. Being able to see these concepts play out in a dramatized way on TV and then discuss them as a family can be very helpful. But the greatest teacher by far is experience. Here's my story about an impactful lesson in honesty from early in my life. Let's go back to second grade, Sable Point Elementary School in Longwood, Florida. I used to ride bikes to school with my neighbor, Chrissy, who was a few years older. She also babysat me from time to time. Looking back, she wasn't the best choice for my parents to entrust with my care. One day, on the way to school, she said she needed to get home early after school that day. I think she was probably planning to hang out with a boy. She told me to tell my teacher that I was riding the bus that day so we could leave early. I still remember vividly the sound of the assistant principal coming over the school PA system at the end of every school day. They would always say, Please dismiss all bus riders. About ten minutes before they said, Please dismiss all walkers, bike riders, and car riders. Those 10 minutes were an eternity in elementary school time. I told Chrissy that I didn't want to lie, but she told me it was okay because she was responsible for me after school and she was telling me what to say to the teacher, so it wasn't a real lie. My second grade teacher was Mrs. Newell. I still remember her, not because of this incident, but because she was actually one of my favorite teachers. I was so upset at the prospect of having to lie to Mrs. Newell that I was beside myself with anxiety as the end of the day approached. I did what I still do today. I sought advice. In this case, it was from my friend Jeff, who sat beside me during the final period of the day. I asked him what I should do. I, I, I don't remember what his advice was, but I do remember this. Mrs. Newell caught us debating my crisis of ethics in the back of the room during class, and she asked us to stay after school. Now I was double-screwed. Not only was I not going to get out early, as Chrissy had instructed me, but I was in danger of being very late because I had to stay to be reprimanded for talking in class. I didn't know what to do. My second grade Fred Savage Wonder Years brain panicked. I blurted out, I can't stay after school today. I have to take the bus. She gave me a sideways look, and and I think she could see the duress I was under. She took a bit of pity on me in the moment and said, Okay, Chad, but we'll talk about this tomorrow. I left early with the bus riders, left Jeff behind to fend for himself for trouble I created, and I met up with Chrissy and rode home in silence and shame. What I knew but had neglected to take into account was the fact that Mrs. Newell lived only a couple of blocks from Chrissy and me. Of course she knew that I didn't ride the bus. I never rode the bus. Even before I got home, she contacted my mom and told her about the events of the day. When I walked through the door, my mom told me that I needed to stay in my room and that my dad would be talking to me when he got home. What I received from my dad that night was a lot more than a talk. He went straight old school. I was struck on the behind with his belt a few times that night. I'm not going to advise those of you who are parents out there one way or the other regarding corporal punishment. We live in a very different world today but I will say it left an impression, pun intended. I was also required to write a letter of apology to the teacher and the principal, and of course, Jeff and his parents. And I can say that I never once considered lying to a teacher again. I had learned an important and painful lesson about honesty and accountability. This was the first, last, and only time I remember being spanked as a kid. My parents didn't lean heavily on that sort of punishment. They weren't very draconian, and in fact, they weren't very big on rules in general. This brings me to my second point about instilling the responsible, accountable mindset in children. Teaching an understanding of consequences is far more valuable than making rules. This is the single greatest point of credit I give to my parents in my upbringing. Remember our episode entitled, Don't Let What You Can't Do Prevent You From Doing What You Can?, that's actually one of my personal favorite episodes of Datages. I encourage you to go check it out if you haven't heard it. Do you remember what I shared was the only strictly prohibited four-letter word in our household? Can't. Not only was I not allowed to use the word, but what I didn't cover in that particular episode was that my parents never used it with me either. I never heard, you can't do that. They didn't make rules for me to follow and say that I must do this and I must not do that. Instead, they would take the time to talk through with me the choices that were available to me in certain situations and to educate me about the consequences. And I rewarded them by being a very well-behaved child, mostly. Back to that in a couple of minutes. I'll distill this parenting philosophy down to one saying. It's similar to the expression originally stated by Lao Tzu, founder of Taoism. Give a man a fish, and he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he will eat for life. My bonus dadage for today is, give a child a rule, and they will follow it. Hopefully, teach a child about decisions and consequences, and they can make their own rules for life. Please understand that I'm not advocating that children be left to parent themselves and make their own decisions. Certainly, we don't emerge from the womb with a strong moral compass, an established value system, and a finely honed set of decision making skills. This is where my third point about building the responsible, accountable mindset comes in. The fundamental nature of parenting is the successful transference of responsibility from parent to child. During development. From the moment a child is born, its parents are responsible for making every decision on the part of that child. What to eat, when to wake up, when to sleep, what to wear. The process of parenting is really the gradual and conscious development of children as they move through three stages as I see them. Stage one, parents are accountable for their children. Stage two, children become accountable To their parents. Stage three, children become accountable to themselves. The transition from stage one to stage two is probably obvious and happens rather naturally. Over time, kids can make more and more of their own decisions. Over time, children will demand to make more and more of their own decisions. And over time, parents will be happy for their children to make more and more of their own decisions. Can you imagine being accountable for making every decision for another individual for a lifetime? Well, perhaps some of you wives out there actually can imagine that. We husbands need a lot of guidance. I want to focus a bit more on the transition from stage two to stage three. Kids becoming accountable to themselves rather than to their parents. If you ask a very young child why they do something that they're supposed to do, they're likely to give you an answer along the lines of mommy and daddy said so. For young children, this is a fine answer. It shows that they trust their parents are charting a good course for them and they are listening and following through. But as children develop, continuing to impose an environment of accountability to parents alone can hinder a child becoming self-reliant. At the end of the whole parenting process, Children should not have accountability to us. Their accountability should be only to themselves. Although we have obligations to our children along the way, because we were the ones who brought them into this world, no matter how badly we may want to think it is the case, our children really have no obligations to us. The bottom line is that the sooner we can prompt our children to evolve from being accountable to us to being accountable to themselves the more self-reliant our children will be, and the more accountable they will be as adults for the benefit of themselves and everyone else in their lives. This process is far from perfect, and there can be some bumps along the way. If parenting were a bowl of ice cream, it's definitely more like Rocky Road than vanilla. And it's the rocky parts that may be the most important. The failures along the way create the opportunity for growth and development. And much of that growth and development relates to children learning to accept accountability for themselves and their inevitable mistakes along the way. As parents, we may let loose the reins a bit too early, and that might create a stumble for our children. But that's not a failure in parenting. Please don't look at it as such. It's an experiment that produces a result. Good parents recognize the results and recalibrate for the future. I also have a story about my own parents recalibrating. As I said a moment ago, I was a well-behaved kid, but I also threw in that asterisk earlier. Mostly. That asterisk can really be tied to one single thing. Driving. I drive fast. I always have. Everyone who knows me knows this about me. It's no secret. But when I turned 16, my parents expected me to be the same practically perfect child that they had raised. They didn't expect that by giving me freedom to drive and the responsibilities that come along with it, that I would ever abuse that privilege. I abused it. Let's talk about Halloween night, 1993. Don't worry. There's no Michael Myers slaughter fest here, but what did happen did turn into a teenage nightmare for me. I was out that night with my friend Eric. We both had sports cars and we both drove fast. We were racing in exactly that part of Central Florida where you don't race. The city of Maitland. It was notorious for having cops everywhere. I got clocked going 77 in a 45. I was pulled over and it wasn't just a police officer. It was the traffic sergeant. The head of the traffic cops in the city with the most aggressive traffic cops around. He lectured me, wrote me up for a very expensive ticket, and let me go on my way with a very sick feeling in my stomach. It would get worse. That night, when I got home around midnight, I walked to my room and found a note on my door. Chad, we got a call from the police. We will talk in the morning. Clearly, I had demonstrated that I was not ready to be responsible for driving a sports car at that age, and my parents held me accountable for my poor choices. I drove the family minivan for the rest of that year. To this day, the Dodge Caravan remains the ultimate symbol of accountability for me. I guess that's what makes it the ultimate family vehicle. The fourth point about establishing your household as Accountability HQ is a very simple one. Show, don't tell. To raise accountable children, you must demonstrate that you are an accountable parent. The notion, do as I say, not as I do, doesn't appear in the Dadages Parenting Handbook. To be truly effective, demonstrating the responsible, accountable approach to life as a parent must be an interactive process. Let me offer you a couple of tips here, and both come from our discussion about leadership and extreme ownership in the workplace. As I shared two episodes ago, sometimes I make the mistake of keeping things in my mind and not communicating them clearly to my team in the office. Similarly, as parents, sometimes we need to help our children by not only providing guidance or instruction, but also by sharing how we got to a decision, I encourage you to think out loud. I know it sounds a bit silly, but the more you share of your internal monologue when you're thinking about something important, making a difficult decision, or building a plan of action, the more your children will benefit from the real wisdom, which is in the process, not in the answer. Secondly, we talked about the I've got your back mentality in the workplace as a tool for building an environment of accountability for your entire team. This notion is even more important in building the home team. It is so critical that we model this concept for our children. As our good friend Ryan Holiday said in The Daily Dad, our kids need to know that we will take their side, that we will fight for them. Opening your mind to your children shows them how an accountable mindset works and demonstrating through action How you are looking out for the family, even in the hardest of times, models accountable behavior. To put it simply, thoughts and actions mean far more than words when it comes to instilling the responsible, accountable mindset in your children. That brings us to point number five, force the discomfort. One of the things I've learned from the practice of yoga is that growth begins at the point of discomfort. Nowhere is this notion more true than in the process of building accountability from the ground up. Being truly accountable often requires putting yourself in an uncomfortable position or having a difficult discussion with someone. I think this has become even harder for Gen Z and probably even harder still for Gen Alpha coming after them. We spoke in the last episode about the growing trend among the younger generations toward complete avoidance of conflict. Remember ghosting? the idea of just disappearing on someone to avoid accountability for that person's feelings altogether, it has become so critical in these times that we as parents aggressively and repeatedly counteract the temptation our children experience to slip into ghosting in order to avoid discomfort or difficult discussions. But sometimes, it's hard for us as parents to break through this barrier too. In our episode of Datages devoted to Gen X, the sandwich generation, and understanding our dual obligations to our parents and our children, we talked about how much pressure we feel as parents today to make our children happy. Sometimes it feels like the hardest thing we do as parents is create conflict with our children. I think the cancel culture we discussed in the last episode has taken over so much that we as parents worry about being canceled by our own kids. I'm reminded of an episode of Billions in Season 5 entitled Victory Smoke, where even Mike Prince, a Powerful billionaire business mogul is canceled by his two daughters for trying to teach them a lesson. They march out of his office after saying, I don't like this or your face right now, dad. Mike Prince, you are kind of sucking right now. (laughs) Now, in this case, Mike might have deserved it. You, You have to watch the episode to understand. But setting that aside, this reaction from Mike's daughters, that's a real fear for all of us as parents. In my own family, I can safely say that the element of life with which my children struggle the most is having difficult discussions. They don't want to disappoint. They don't want to create conflict. And I think this is pretty normal for kids, even into their teenage years. I don't think children are born wired to pursue uncomfortable situations for long-term benefit and growth. This is one of the areas that we as parents have to work the hardest in helping to build the responsible, accountable mindset. Remember what I said. Growth begins at the point of discomfort. And don't just consider my amateur perspective on this topic. Doctor of psychology Karen Ruskin, whose research we shared in our last episode, explained the impact of conflict avoidance on the most important interpersonal relationships in the lives of our children in this way. If you don't learn to confront your own feelings and the other person's feelings, and then dialogue about both, you may never really gain the long-term connection and relationship that you want. It absolutely could lead down a path of you not getting to have that future because you haven't developed this skill. But accountability is not always about challenging or uncomfortable situations. For our sixth and final point about building the responsible, accountable mindset in our families, I want to call your attention to something very important that we might overlook. While accountability sounds like a negative, acknowledging when you do something wrong, owning that mistake, and then working to correct it, an accountable mindset also offers the opportunity for acknowledging success. If you teach children that they are responsible for the outcomes of their decisions, then they also are entitled to take full credit for their successes. Remember our friend Horton in the world of Dr. Seuss? Here's how that story ends after the egg hatches and a miraculous elephant bird is born. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant, and they sent him home happy 100%. It's important that we teach our children to enjoy their elephant birds, to recognize the product of their hard work, dedication, and commitment, and to go home happy 100%. These are the rewards that can be realized in the responsible, accountable mindset. As parents, we have to teach our children to be accountable for their successes, not just their failures. This is really practicing a form of gratitude, gratitude to self. Children may or may not express gratitude when you do something nice for them. But I promise you that children will ultimately be grateful if you teach them and create space for them to do great things for themselves. It may take a while, but it will happen. And that's where we will wrap up for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear from you. Email me at chad at dadages.com. Share your stories of raising your own children with the responsible, accountable mindset. If you know someone who would benefit from this advice, please share Dadages with a friend. And before we go... I'll share with you this one additional important personal insight regarding raising responsible, accountable kids. As a father, it really does make me sad to see how quickly my kids will blame others. They get that from their mother. And there's your dad joke for the day, friends and family. Until next we meet, remember, dad may not always know what he's talking about, but he sure can sound like he does. Thank you for listening to Datages. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to visit datages.com and subscribe to the Datages podcast to get notified for future episodes. You can rate a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Why? Because I'm your father, and I said so. Just a little respect is all I ask for. I put a roof over your head and food on the table, and what do you do? No, tell me exactly what do you do, because I'm doing everything. I'm paying for everything. No, get back here, get back here right now.